0: Hey, what's going on? This is your host, Juan Gray, and welcome to the Words to Success show, where I have raw conversations with the most incredible and fascinating minds on the planet to help you get closer to your own version of personal success. On today's episode, we're going to get into more development technicalities as I bring on Joe Casabona, who is a course teacher, developer, and business owner. We talk a lot about how to get into freelancing when you're first getting started running and starting a podcast because so many of you have been asking for that and creating those first sources of income so you can make whatever dream happen. This and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy and take action because that's going to make all the difference. All right, let's get to it. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.
1: Go to conferences, go to meetups, talk to people, shake hands, always have a business card on you. But be authentic, you know? Like, be real with people, is when you network, it's a symbiotic relationship. It's, uh, it's not parasitic, where you're just out there to get money from them. Be yourself, but remember everyone has their own story. Don't let people walk all over you, but you you also need to empathize with other people and remember that maybe they're having a bad day, And they reacted uh, in a certain way.
0: Joe Casabona, welcome to the most badass show on the planet, my man. How do you do? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, bro. Joe, so maybe for some people who are just about to know you for the first time, can you give me a little background about what you do? You do a lot of things within web development. Uh, You've been an entrepreneur, a freelancer from an early age, started a lot of your projects, went after what you want. So give us a little background about you know, who you are and how how you got to doing what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah. So I have, uh, I've been, I guess a freelancer, a business owner in some sense, since I was 15 years old, uh, my church came to me and they said, we need a website. I said, I don't know how to make websites. And, uh, they said, we'll pay you. And I was like, okay, uh, I, if you're going to pay me to learn how to make websites, I'll totally do that. So I've been making websites ever since. I really loved that. Um, I went through college for computer science and I had my master's in software engineering. And today, on top of web development, I do uh, teaching online courses. I teach at the college level, and I run a couple of podcasts
0: Mhm, awesome and from a uh the podcast standpoint, right now, your most popular one is how I built it correct? Yes, that's correct yep and how how did you build that <laughs> uh, that's a great question.
1: um so I went to italy for my honeymoon with my wife uh in june of 2016 and i saw all the it domains and i thought man how i built dot it would be a really great domain to own so i bought it and as i was thinking about how i could use this domain i thought it would be really cool to kind of hear people's stories uh, and at the same time I was looking to launch my online courses business. And so I was asking people in that space, how did you build your online courses business? And so I thought, I've got the domain. I'm asking people these questions. I should make these conversations public. And, and so uh, I put up the landing page and I launched the first episode in August of that year. Um, a quick side note is that uh, about a month after that, NPR launched a very similarly named podcast. And that has, I want to say it's unfortunate because there's a little bit of brand confusion, but I think it's been pretty good for me. Uh, so
0: there's that little aside. Mm, got it. Got it. And what would you say from, because a lot of people that, messages and are like especially since we launched the podcast because before we had you know video format a couple of different things but from the audio podcast that we started launching on itunes and everything a lot of people were like hey i'd love to do like my own podcast in this niche and this niche and different stuff that they do and they've been following words success you know so um, a lot of the questions that they that get asked all the time is okay. Let's just say I, I actually get the podcast the, off the ground. How do I get people to actually start listening and start building a strong audience? You know, I, I know that you started getting your first couple thousand uh, uh, downloads and in your first episodes, right? And I think in your first month, right? So how does someone do that? We've been getting like big growth since the beginning that we started it, but we've been pushing it, and we already had a large audience. So, in your opinion, someone who is maybe just starting out doesn't have that large audience in the beginning. How do they make that happen to uh, to actually have uh, people that are going to listen?
1: I, I think that's a great question. And, um, you know, Seth Godin a few months ago wrote a blog post that said podcasting is the new blogging. And so I feel like there's a lot of similarities. People are asking, how do I, you know, people were asking, how do I grow my blog? Now they're asking, how do I grow my podcast? And part of it is is showing up, right? Uh, the The best thing I think I do for my show is... Every Tuesday at 3 a.m. Eastern Time, my episode ships um, every Tuesday. So, uh, without fail, I need to, I try to meet that deadline. People know when to expect my show. If I'm going on a break, they know that I'm going on a break and there's some time to catch up, maybe. Um, and then I try to have really good content. Uh, so, I'll have guests on that I'm genuinely interested in. And so, people who are like me, Or uh, uh, maybe a little bit behind or ahead of me are also generally interested in the questions that I'm asking these people, Uh, and it helps that I I ask my guests to share the show too. So um, I managed to tap my network a little bit when I first launched my show to get a couple of really big name, well, big name in in the community guests on, and they shared it out. And the consistency, uh, along with kind of general inquiry. Uh, that made good content helped the show grow
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and then also I would say h- how important is it to automate that right because you're talking about consistency, and if someone has you know a really busy lifestyle has different things going on because it's rare that you have someone especially when they're starting out that can dedicate a hundred percent on podcasting right because at the beginning it's not necessarily making money and uh, you have other things going on so how is it that you go about automating in your life and also in the podcast that people can use for anything that they're doing in their life. Do you have any tips for that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten really big into automation in the last like year or so. Um, And so a really easy way to automate is uh, especially your show schedule, making sure it goes out at the same time is I use WordPress, but I know other podcasting platforms allow this as well. Upload a bunch of episodes at the same time and just schedule them out for some future dates. Right? So as we record this, I've got my next 3 podcast episodes already scheduled, so I know for like the next month I don't really need to think about my podcast. As far as getting guests go um I use Calendly and so somebody grabs a time on Calendly and then I integrate that with Zapier. And so uh a guest grabs a time from Calendly and then they get all the information they need, a Zoom call is automatically created and added to the email and then their information gets sent to Evernote, where I keep my show notes. It gets sent to Trello, where I make sure that my, uh, every step of my process is hit, from like getting their audio to sending it out for edit and transcription to publishing. And then it also gets sent to Airtable, and Airtable is where I manage the schedule. So I know which guest, in which order, which sponsors for that episode are all set. And so I don't have to worry about doing any of that manually. Um, and then, uh, I know I've been talking a lot. If you want to stop me here, I have one more big piece of automation, though, if you're interested in hearing that. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, so, um, when I do get my guest's audio, uh, and so, a lot of people will do this differently um, because I talk to people, uh, a lot of people that might have like a shaky internet connection, I record my side of the audio and they record theirs locally, and then they send it to me. I take both of those and I put them in a full Dropbox called the Editing. My editor automatically gets an email saying there's a new episode to edit. He puts it all together, and then he puts it in an episode uh, in a folder called Needs Transcription, and then my transcriber takes care of it. Uh, From there, it also gets automatically uploaded to Libsyn. So uh, there's a slightly complicated automation there that, that kind of FTPs the file over, but once I record my audio the last thing I need to do is just put it in, in WordPress. Like my transcriber takes care of all the content. So I just need to copy and paste and, and it's all done. So uh, over the last six months, I've really done a lot to make the show as hands off as possible for me, but mm-hmm. still adding that personal touch, right? Because that's also really important in a podcast.
0: Yeah. So you still maintain that, that personal kind of human touch and it's not just all, you know, robotic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I do, I write notes for my editor um to to kind of maintain the same kind of feel but also sticking with the same editor is important right because now he knows my style and and stuff like that but um yeah i I show up for the interview and and add as much personal I, i add the bumpers later uh kind of recapping the conversation so it's not like I'm having somebody do it all. People show up to hear me ask the questions and add my own two cents and stuff like that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, before we move on from like the podcasting side, I think one of the things that could be very valuable for people is, because one of the things that you've achieved well is started getting different, um, different sponsors on different episodes, right? But that, that, really, that really add value to your listeners and they're not just random sponsors, right? I think which is really important. So how does someone, let's just say that they're doing that, They're releasing on a consistent basis. They have some kind of automated um, system that they're doing, and it's coming out. How do they then get a sponsor and to to actually um, help help them with the revenue of the show, and so that they can keep going and and hopefully go full time in this? Yeah. So I have
1: the benefit of being a very good networker. Um, I'm an extrovert. I go to conferences. I love talking to people, and uh, so I've, I built up a pretty good network before I started my podcast. And when I wanted to uh, monetize, when I wanted to get sponsors, I reached out to them first, right? There's um there's a, a, a common saying in the VC world, right? When you're starting up a company and you need funding, uh, you don't go right to the VC. You go to friends, fools, and family first. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what I did. I reached out to a few people who knew me personally, who I knew and who I liked their stuff. And I said, hey, I'm starting a podcast. It's in this space. You're also in this space. I'm looking for just a little bit of financial support to, to get this thing off the ground and keep it going. And people knew the quality of my work and they liked it. And, and so they continued. Uh, now as the show grew, I raised my rates. I added a couple of more, uh, spots, right? It, at first it was just one then it was two and now I'm capping it at three, right? Three spots for like a 40 minute episode is enough. Um, But I've since put together a pitch deck, and I reach out to people who are in the space or looking to get in the space, and I say, hey, here's my listenership. Uh, I've used your product before. I really like it. I think this would be a really good fit. And that's the important part is that I can personally vouch for my sponsors. Um, It's not just somebody saying, hey, plug me. It's mm-hmm. people who I truly believe in, right? And if it's somebody who's I, I've never used audit before, I ask for an account or I ask for a demo so that I can speak to it. Um, so I think I think that's really important when it comes to podcast sponsorships because your listeners trust you inherently. You're in their ears every week, um, and and it's, so it's your reputation that they're getting on.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's just say you have people that are interested in that sponsorship, right? Because um, you were talking about pitch deck and, pitch, and creating a pitch deck is something that I do like, for pretty much everything I do. Like as a film producer, we're constantly creating decks for projects, for commercials, that, or music videos. It's always creating that pitch deck to get the, either the production company on board, um, financing, as you know. And I've done that for podcasting as well. But for people who don't know what a pitch deck is, how can you explain it, especially for, for podcasting?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So a pitch deck is basically, it's it's an informational deck, right? So uh, when I go to somebody and I say, hey, I'd like you to sponsor my show, uh, or or I think you would be a good fit for my show. Are you interested in, in learning more information? If they say, yeah, I send them, it's a slide deck uh, that I converted into a PDF, and it includes key pieces of information, not just about my show, but about podcasting in general, right? So like it has... Demographics on podcast listeners, and how they are more likely than let's say TV watchers to um, uh, to listen to an ad right or to buy something based on an ad they heard on a podcast um, and then I talk about my demographics, you know how my uh my listeners are about seventy percent male they fall into the eighteen to forty uh category. And um, they're from these places around the world. So I have that information there too. I have logos of previous sponsors. And then I have my uh, my sponsor uh, packages. And in those, I don't just have like, I'll read your, uh, I'll do like a 30 second read or whatever. I have everything that I have to offer, right? Because I'm not like a, a Gimlet media or a how stuff works. I don't have millions and millions of downloads. But what I do have is a, a tribe, a core group of followers on the show, on Twitter, on my newsletter, and I leverage my entire audience that way. So I say, if you sponsor my show, you don't just get the ad read, you get a plug in the newsletter, you get plugs on social media. Uh, At the right price, I'll even make a YouTube video for you. Um, And then I have some information about myself. So basically, it's the who, what, where, when, and how of my podcast. Mm
0: Mm-hmm yeah and what do you think is if you put yourself in the shoes of uh the sponsor what is it that they're they're most looking for and how can you differentiate yourself after you have all those key elements in the deck
1: so the ones who don't know me personally right or the ones who are not just like looking to um support something in the in the wordpress community which is where i'm most deeply embedded yeah they're looking for a return on their investment and so the numbers that I drive home and the reach that I'm driving home, um, and the fact that people trust me in the WordPress community because I've been here for 15 years, I think that's the thing that resonates most with them. Because even though my um, CPM, which is uh, cost per milli, right, it's, like a, it's basically the amount of clicks that mm-hmm. you'll get per thousand listeners, my CPM is not great, but my cost for acquisition. Uh, or my, my cost per acquisition CPA is maybe better because the people who do tune in are the people who really trust me.
0: Yeah, yeah, amazing. Let's talk a little bit about um, when you were growing up. You know, you you we, we you and I have talked about uh, about you know when you were in high school, how you got into freelancing, started your own your own business, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the audience, like I said, is is people that are between sixteen. 30 plus, but a lot of them are very young and are looking to maybe get into freelancing so that they can start a business. So what advice do you have that maybe they can apply? What was a little bit of like your story so that they can know?
1: Yeah. So I learned web development way back like 2000, right? So the landscape is very different today than it was back then as far as how to learn, right? I mean, you, you have CodePen, you've got Code Academy, um, I ordered books and I used Microsoft front page to learn how to make websites. And it was a little bit trial by fire. I think I'm pretty lucky in the sense that my first job was a paying job. Mm. Um, so I, I, essentially got paid to learn and it, it was like $200, but I mean, $200 to a 15 year old is, is, you know, a lot better than nothing or is a lot better than, uh, uh, the minimum wage that I'd be making at like the supermarket or whatever. So, um, kind of finding the right people to believe in me was important. Uh, My church knew that I was good with computers and they believed that I could make them an adequate website. Um, I also worked at a deli at the time because I'm a New York Italian and therefore I'm a stereotype, so I worked at a deli. (laughs) And um, the owner of the deli kind of took me under his his wing. His name is Joe Rizzi, and um, I am forever grateful to him because he's the one who first encouraged me to raise my rates He's the one who gave me my first advice on customer relationships and stuff like that. And so um, finding the right mentor, whether it's online or in person, uh, I think that's invaluable. And then, again, it, reach out to friends, fools, and family, right? As soon as I made that first website, I, I had friends whose parents owned businesses. I had friends who were in bands, and I said, hey, uh, for my friends who were in bands, I said, hey, for $100, bucks, i will make you a website for your band um and for my friends parents i said for 500 bucks i'll make you a website right (laughs) um and it it was worth different things to them like a like five kids in a band in high school they could stomach 20 bucks for a website um this was before myspace um and then for the business owners like you know they needed a website anyway to get found by google or to put up their portfolio and so 500 bucks was a drop in the bucket for them based on the jobs that they were getting from the website but um you know, I reached out to those people and I said for a relatively small fee, I'll make a website for you. And I built up my portfolio and I learned skills and I um and then, you know, by the time I got to college, I was pulling in a couple thousand dollar jobs. And by the end of college it was tens of thousands over. And and that was being in high school caught me a slow build, right? I didn't need to get up and running quickly. And maybe that's the secret, right? Nothing you do well is a get rich scheme. Um it's gonna take some time to develop the skill. And develop that um uh trust that people will have in your work,
0: mhm what would you say was like the toughest toughest uh challenge that you had while you were while you were building all this uh when i when I was confident enough in my
1: abilities to know I did good work, people still looked at me like I was a kid um and so they didn't want to pay me adult prices quote unquote right so i had one guy who was like hey uh, you want to make me a website and i was like uh yeah i quoted him at like a couple thousand dollars for a simple website and he said couple thousand dollars he's like i thought you were in in college i'm like i am but i do really good work and he goes well i can hire an intern for like 15 bucks an hour and i'm like all right well you're not going to get the quality of the work i'm offering you but if that's how you view me then I'm, we're not a good fit um So it it was, I think that was probably the toughest part. And then like first problem, the first time you encounter a problem client is very stressful because it's the first time and you don't know how to handle it. And even today, like I had my first charge back within the first year and it like, it upset me. (laughs) Um, And I'm 33 years old. Um, So, you know, stuff like that when you're uh, in your early twenties, and like you have a client who's like so mad, and they refuse to pay you, and you're like, "How do I handle this?" Um, is is stressful, but it all generally works out, or mm-hmm. it's it just has to be, you know, water off your back, uh, and you can't let it get to you.
0: Absolutely. I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Bessie footwear. They are literally the only everyday sneakers that you can actually wear every day. They are super stylish, 100% waterproof, breathable, extremely comfortable, oh, and they're even vegan. Honestly, when I found out about this brand, I knew I wanted to try them out. And after I did, I hit them up to work right away because after wearing them for months, I genuinely love the product and want to support so more people can actually enjoy the best shoes as well. To check them out, you can go to VessiFootwear.com. That's V-E-S-S-I Footwear.com. And that can guarantee you won't regret it. Let's get back to the show. Vamos. And what would you say is success for Joe Casabona?
1: Success for Joe Casabona is the ability to uh, put food on the table for my family, uh, live comfortably, but still have time for my wife and daughter. Um, I, after college, I had a couple of jobs, uh, like full-time, real quote-unquote jobs, right? Um, Full-time jobs to learn the tricks of the trade, right? I think that's really important too. Um, And I left that job, my most recent job, um, shortly after my daughter was born because it was an agency job. And agency life is... Demanding. You have high paying clients who want you on call all the time. And I thought, I'm losing time with my family and I don't want that. So um, if I can make a, a decent living and also spend time with my family, that's the most important part to me.
0: Got it. Sweet, man. Pretty cool. What would be your, your biggest pieces of advice for someone who was in your footsteps? Like, is in your footsteps, like where you were a couple of years ago?
1: Uh, networking is, has by and large been the main piece to my success. Um, so I would say go to conferences, go to meetups, talk to people, shake hands, always have a business card on you. Um, because my, that agency job I got, I got through people I met at conferences. We, uh, we shared cigars and talked and they liked me and I liked them and they hired me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm forever grateful for that job. I learned so much in the time I was at that job um, that uh, I I don't know if I'd ever be able to repay them. But that's due to to my ability to go out there and network and meet people.
0: Mm-hmm. And as in like networking, because I agree, networking is probably one of the most uh, important stuff that people could do, especially as young people, so that they can start building it as they're young, right? So that it, they're always adding to their arsenal and if they need to connect someone with some other person that has a certain type of skills you already know who you can talk to and you become very valuable to a team that way as well um what would you say are like some main uh some main things that you've learned that have helped you with you know networking and kind of connecting with people that that can actually help you and that you can actually add value to them as well right yeah absolutely so uh, I think
1: the the most important thing is to um, get out of your comfort zone a little bit because it is hard to just walk up to a complete stranger and say hello, right? Uh, Hi, I'm Joe. Like you, know, you don't know me from Adam. Um, but you got to do that a little bit. So you know, walk over to a group of people and listen for a little bit, and then introduce yourself. Um, people say have your elevator pitch ready, which is like the thirty second. Um, soundbite of who you are and what you do, right? And the idea is that you should be able to say it in the length of an elevator ride. Mm-hmm. Um, have, have that ready, uh, but be authentic, you know, like be real with people because people can generally detect if you're just in it to get something from them. And that's my last piece of advice is when you network, it's a symbiotic relationship. It's, uh, it's not parasitic where you're just out there to get money from them. Um, you're there, as you said, to be a connector. Um, so, yeah, maybe you can do something for that company. Maybe that company can do something for you. But maybe you know somebody who can help that company or vice versa. And, and I think that's important. It's, it's not a bunch of one-way connections. It's, um, you're essentially like the center of a bunch of crossroads and you're directing people in the right way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking about automation for, you know, you were saying how, how automation has been an important thing that you've been doing for the past year, especially. Do you have any kind of, um, system or automating for, for networking?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I absolutely
1: do. Um, man, I feel like you, you, uh, you really know the right questions to ask here. This is great. Um, <laughs> so when I go to a conference, I exchange business cards. I always have business cards on me. And, um, and they don't have to be expensive. You, you, know, you can get like Moo or Wix and get them for very cheap um, or free. Like Sometimes like the first 50 are free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always exchange business cards. When I get somebody's business card, I take a picture of it in Evernote. Uh, and I do I the, the exact same. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, because, and then I put it into a notebook called Business Cards. And I use Zapier to watch that notebook, so when a new business card gets added, it sends that, con- uh, that um, contact information to my task manager, which is Omnifocus, with a reminder to follow up with that person in three days. So um, a lot of the conferences I go to are on like Fridays and Saturdays. Word camps, uh, which are small local WordPress events are generally on Saturdays so that anybody can go to them. Um, and uh, so, I always get a reminder on Monday or Tuesday to follow up with that person. And so I make sure to capture their business card, write a couple of notes about what we talked about, why I would follow up.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. For someone who doesn't know what Zapier is, how would you how would you describe, and how can it be beneficial for people in different that are either can it be beneficial for artists as well? Would you say?
1: Yeah, the crazy thing about Zapier is that it connects basically any tool to any other tool. Uh, It's incredible, and any developer can add Zapier support. Um, Or if you have an iPhone, you can use Siri shortcuts with Zapier. And so Zapier, to go back to your initial question, is an automation tool. It's pronounced Zapier. Zapier makes you happier. Um, And it, it connects apps. So Uh, some of the automations that I talked about, right, where uh, it connects Calendly to Evernote, where I connect uh, Zapier to Calendly and it pulls in my Calendly information. And more important, it watches Calendly. Um, And when there's a change detected in Calendly, it processes that change based on the rules that I set up. And if it meets the criteria, it sends that information to Evernote automatically. Um, and you can do this with anything. Like I have, um, I have a zap that when I publish a new podcast episode, it publishes, uh, that same information on my personal blog or a different blog a few days later. Right. So it's, it's published cause it's, this is a relatively new podcast. It's not my most popular one. I want it to get as much reach as possible, but I also want to have to remember to blog about it every day. So it grabs the content It says, Hey, there's a new podcast up over here. Click here to listen to it. Um, I've got, I've got Zapier or I've got Zaps set up to whenever I get a payment in PayPal, um, that is not from an invoice payment to send it to FreshBooks as other income. So all of my books are managed that way too. It's just, it, 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 it's the, um, the worker part of my management brain. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah well you're, you're putting good points uh, also about different applications and you're you're uh, definitely a tech person, a tech guy right so I kind of feel like asking you what would you say are three applications that can be beneficial to artists, maybe producers, entrepreneurs, people that are our audience um, that they can use in their life that they maybe don't know of
1: uh, like like tools outside of zapier you mean like um, just like regular things that might help them out.
0: Exactly, like for either for productivity or either mobile applications on their phone.
1: Yeah, so there's, um, I mean, this is like really personal uh, stuff that you might be working with or whatever, but the things that work best for me are OmniFocus because OmniFocus, uh, that's the task manager for iOS and Mac, um, and they're rolling out a web version of it very soon. But um, they that makes it very easy for me to capture thoughts when I have them uh, and then organize them later, right? So like I have an mm-hmm. Apple watch app and I think of something, I just talk to my Apple watch and it gets added to OmniFocus. Um, and then later I can organize it the way I want. Um, another app that I've been using a lot lately is RescueTime. Uh, and that's a time tracking application that sits on your Mac and tracks everything you do um, within reason. And then you can categorize, Um, everything that attracts, you can see your productivity. And I'm really bad at time tracking. So the fact that I now have this to see, oh my God, I spent four hours on Twitter yesterday. I need to make a change in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it it also has focus time, which blocks like social media and other distracting sites. Um, And then, uh, so that's time tracking. I also use screen time for that. But the other thing I would recommend is if you're an iPhone user, um, Siri shortcuts is a fantastic tool built into iOS 12 that is very similar to Zapier in that it connects actions on your phone to do other things. So like when I get a new sponsor, I run a series shortcut to um, create a new project in OmniFocus for all the things I need to do for that sponsor. Or when I plan a trip to a conference, I have a series shortcut that accepts um, the location, and the dates, and then it figures out what I need to pack and when I should book my flight and all that stuff. So um, Siri shortcuts is super powerful, and it's built right into your iPhone if you have an iPhone or or your iPad iOS.
0: Amazing, amazing! And it also, you mentioned FreshBooks uh, before that. So is that what you use basically to track all your personal expenses and your business? Totally, yeah. So
1: I've uh, I, I used FreshBooks exclusively from like '08 to. 18, and then I thought that I needed something different, so I went to QuickBooks for a year, and that was a mistake. Um, and uh, you know, QuickBook, like accountants, love QuickBooks, but <laughs> uh, the, that FreshBooks offers for, especially you know, like um, solo people like me, freelancers or smaller companies, is fantastic. So in 2019, I'm I'm back on FreshBooks. Um, and it's a way for me to invoice, it's a way for me to track other income, and I do all of my business spending on a single credit card, Um, and so I've connected my credit card to FreshBooks, and it does a pretty good job of organizing everything automatically, so I don't need to worry about doing my books more than like once a month either.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know that uh, from watching some YouTube videos, that you have a lot of books in in the office where you do your podcast, so I know you're a big reader. Uh, a lot of the the audience as well loves loves to read. So, what would be, I guess, three books that have helped you in your, basically, in your life in general? You know, that you could you could recommend to people.
1: Man, that's a really good question. And I've like I've resolved this year to read 18 books. I'm like well ahead of that. I've already read four or five this year. Um, so I'm gonna go with. A book that has stuck with me for like as long as I've been reading stuff that wasn't assigned to me in school is a book called Masters of Doom. It is about the guys who started ID software who created the game Doom. Um, and I was always into computers, but just their story was very interesting to me. Um, so I, I love that book and I would recommend that one. Um, a book I read Uh, read more recently, is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, And uh, it's I like this book because he doesn't promise that you're going to change your life overnight, right? Like it's kind of the opposite of the four-hour work week. And it's like, just do this and you'll be great. This is like, things take time and you need to ingrain that into your, you need to ingrain changes into your life incrementally so you keep doing them. And so Atomic Habits is a really good book for that. And then the last book I would recommend, and this is just because I'm like kind of an I'm like a nerd about basically everything. It's a book called *Sapiens*, um, and it's I mean like it's been recommended by like Barack Obama and Bill Gates. And it's a brief history of humankind, and it's just really interesting to see that for like the first million, two million years basically of our existence, we were, um, you know, we were. Uh, on even keel with other uh, mammals, and then in the 500 years since the scientific revolution, we have changed a lot of things. And so that book is just super interesting from like a historical context of of humankind.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot about that book, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna read it now.
1: <laughs> it's it's a big, weighty read. So <laughs> allocate some time for it because it's um it's like 500 pages, but it's also like dense. Uh, oh, uh stuff. You know, it's it's not like a business book where you could probably get away with just skimming it. But right, right. I, I read it um we go to the beach every year for a week and I read it basically over that week.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Hey thanks for sharing all those books and those applications, man. Hey my pleasure. I uh I love sharing stuff like that. So awesome. So just to finish off man I, I'll I'll ask you the last question that I ask all my guests. So I'm giving you a piece of paper right now. And on that piece of paper, you have to write down what is the most important thing or the most important things that you've learned in your life so far. And that's maybe the a note that you're going to give to someone that it's really important that you love a lot. Maybe your, your daughters, right? And it's the last time, the last thing that they're going to see from you, but they're going to be able to read that every single day. And they're going to be reminded of you. What would you write on that piece of paper that would help them? and what would be your words to success
1: be yourself but remember everyone has their own story um and i i say that because i think it's important that you don't let people walk all over you which is something that i did basically until college when somebody was like you need to be more assertive mm-hmm. um but you, you also need to empathize with other people and remember that maybe they're having a bad day And they reacted uh, in a certain way. And that's something that I'm still trying to be better about. So, um, yeah, be yourself. But remember, everybody has their own story.
0: Love that, bro. I really love that really good all right man well thank you so much for for coming on and sharing everything that you've shared shared a bit of your story and and a lot of things that can be very um applicable you know that can people can really take action on and learn about different things that they can apply in their own lives so thanks for coming on bro
1: hey thanks for having me i i had a great time this is uh this was a great interview i really
0: appreciate it absolutely bro thank you All right, I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Joe Casabona. If you want to learn more about Joe, you can go to wordstosuccess.com under episodes, and it's all there. All right, I hope you guys keep crushing it, keep pushing, but also let yourself be pulled by that passion. Because when you're pushing, you get tired, you know? There's only so much you can push. But when you change that around and you start getting pulled... Like, I'm pulled on a daily basis. Of course, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to get through things that you don't like and you push, but try to transform as much of your day, as much of your week, as much of your month, and as much of your life to being pulled by that passion. All right. I'll see you guys on the next episode. If you want to follow us at Words to Success on Instagram, a lot of new content on there, and you guys can go check me out and, you know, reach out to me personally at Juan Gray. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Keep spreading peace and love. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.